The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Looking back at Crystal Palace's one-all draw this weekend just gone at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Before we get into anything, because I always forget in this pod, don't forget you can follow the Six Pointer Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Six Pointer Podcast is the handle you're looking for. It's a very special pod this evening, not just because we're talking about a really good game of football, but also because we're joined by a special guest. I'm going to come to him in a minute. I'm going to just introduce the usual, uh, usual couple. Couple, usual duo, I should say. Uh, Luke, how are you doing? Not too bad, sweetie. How are you? Very good, thank you. Did you call me sweetie? Yeah, you, called me, you, you called me a couple, so yeah. Oh, you and Kev, okay. And, and, and Kevin, the other half. Is that, does that make me part of this threesome then? Um, no, I'm Matt. Nice to see you. Nice to see you again, mate. And you, Kev. And our special guest this evening, following on with our theme of introducing uh, away fans to the pod, uh, Graham, hello, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. So, Graham, you're, you're, a, to- you're a Tottenham fan. Tell us a bit about your, yourself and uh, your love for the Spurs. Oh, well, it goes goes back a long way. I was, uh, you know, I've been a Spurs fan since I was a little kid. Um, my my family are originally from Tottenham, and so, you know, I was, I was brought up as a Spurs fan. Um, you know, I've been through the sort of the the highs and the lows. More, more, I would say more lows than highs, really, because Spurs traditionally over the last, you know, twenty years haven't really been that great. You know, we've uh, we've only had a few cup triumphs. You know, League Cups, really, FA Cup back in '91. It's probably a little bit more than Palace, to be fair. Oh, uh, that's harsh. Straight away. <laughs> He's in straight harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I did, I did mean, uh, yeah, really sorry. But um, I guess Spurs, yeah, historically, we're seen as one of the big clubs. But unfortunately, when you deal with other pa- fans, and, and, and not Palace fans, but, you know, our big rivals, which are the sort of Chelsea and the Arsenal, so they've had a lot of success and they like to gloat about it, you know. So I guess... Um, you know, there is some similarity between Palace and Spurs in that, you know, we really haven't won a lot recently and we really do need to win something soon, you know. Graham, I, I won't forget, was it last year or year before, there was a song, you're away in Europe and Arsenal were in the UEFA Cup, I think, and you're in the Champions yeah. League and they were singing a song about being on Channel 4 or Channel 5, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that's us now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's us. I mean, we, we are, you know, the, the, you know, it's really disappointing. Yeah, we used to sing a song about watching Tottenham on a Tuesday or even a, a Wednesday night. You play Thursday because you're something. Ah, something. that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I'm not sure I'm allowed to swear, so I'm not going to. But but we used to really rejoice in singing that song, and uh, it was great, especially at the new stadium. We'd we'd come out singing that. But the disappointing thing for us this year is obviously we missed out on the Champions League, and we're playing uh, Europa Ball. Um, Hopefully, given Jose's record, we've got a chance of winning it, and that would be a that would be massive for us. It really would be, um, you know, especially after the fact that, as as you all know, we um, we sort of messed it up in the Champions League final. We sort of we just didn't come out for that one, and it's it's largely disappointing. So let's hope that we can try and do better this year, and and then maybe one year, I don't know, maybe when were Palace last in Europe? 
Into Toto Cup, 1998. No, hold on, Luke. <laughs> no, hold on, Luke. No, no, no. Can I say, sorry, Go Graham, I've, I've got to come in there. We were last in Europe. If you, I don't know if you recall, but last season we had a friendly down on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent. So uh, that 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 was when we went on for our European <laughs> tour. So I think you'll find it was it was a trip to yeah. Sheppey. Oh, sure. Trip to Sheppey. Sheppey United last season like away. Well, we've got yeah. a lot to talk about tonight. It was a really, really good game on, on the weekend. I, I certainly in, in, enjoyed it. Um, Kevin, how, how did you see it? A point, a point well taken? Uh, a lucky point? What, what do you think? I mean, we played top of the table Tottenham. We've got to be happy with a one-all draw, right? I, I absolutely was, Matt. To be honest with you, I mean, I thought the first 15, 20 minutes were great. Tottenham took the lead. In fairness, we all know that the keeper should have saved it. Uh, but, you know, you don't shoot, you don't score. I, I thought it was a Tottenham masterclass then for a little while and we were going to struggle to get back in. But I thought for 30 minutes, second half, we were excellent. We deserved to get our goal. But then we were hanging on for the last five, six minutes. And if it weren't for two outstanding saves, we wouldn't have got the point. So absolutely delighted to take it. You know, as you say, Tottenham, I think Tottenham to me looked different this season playing them. They, I watched that Newcastle, uh, sorry, not the Newcastle game, the Everton game at the start of the season. And I thought, they're going to be there for the taking a lot this season, but they have improved unbelievably. And I thought they were worked so hard, well-drilled, good side. And I think they'll do really well this season. So I was delighted that we took a point. Graham, how did you see the start of the game? Because, I mean, the, the goal was what? goal was 20, 20 odd minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. I think, as Kevin's just said, you know, Tottenham really dominated possession in the first 20 or so minutes. You know, we, we looked good. We were attacking down the flanks. I think Palace were trying to keep it tight, um, trying to keep compact, um, recognising that, you know, yeah, it's at the top of the league team, you're right, and, you know, just trying to feel Tottenham out. And I think, you know, the, the problem we had is actually we scored and then, you know, I think you could all see it, we, we backed off then. You know, we, we, we sat back and just after we scored, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Eze and Zaha started to weave their magic. And, uh, you know, we then sat back even more and it just, the, the game sort of really disintegrated for us. And I was quite disappointed and also quite stressed just watching it, you know, because again, the turnaround for you guys in the first 20 minutes when you just see Tottenham coming at you continually, uh, you know, and Dombele had a, a great chance. I think Rory crossed it in from the right and Guaita made a, a, a really good save actually to sort of move it away. Um, Soon after that, Kane scored with that that shot, which keeper seemed to be unsighted on. I think he said afterwards that, you know, it was moving. Mm -hmm. And I think you could see it was moving a little bit. It did have a bit of, I think what the kids call it, swaz. You know, because <laughs> a little bit of like, he did it with a, I don't know, they call it a knuckleball as well. It, you know, Kane had sort of really hit it with the uh, the top of his foot. The ball moved in the air and it, it seemed to sort of bewilder him a little bit. And it, and it went in, it was great that he had that shot. But problem for us was really... Kane wasn't really getting into the middle. He was sitting back deep and, you know, our attackers really didn't offer the threat that they've offered in other games. You know, it wasn't, you know, the counter-attacking football you've seen from Spurs, you know, earlier this season where we will sit back in what they traditionally call the low block, right? And then we'll give it some, we'll really attack at pace. There was none of that in the game. In fact, that was coming from Palace and I was really, really impressed with Eze. You know, that guy is class, isn't he? 
He's and really he's come in, Graham. He, he wasn't he wasn't really starting at the start of the season, and I think a few people were asking questions about is he going to get a go? And sort of the the, the anti Roy Roy gang were, were saying, you know, he's just not 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 picking him. Um, we were saying this pod whether or not it's you know has he been performing or is he just waiting for the right time to give him a chance? And I'd, I'd like to think it was the latter because he has been exceptional. And Luke, I know you you've been a fan of him. I think Will, him and Wolf teamed up really well, didn't they? In the, in, in the second half of the of the first half. They did, and they give um, defenders something else to think about. Whereas before, we just had Wilf and people focusing on him. Um, it was quite interesting early on in the game. I saw was it Alderweireld sort of push, pushed Wilf around a little bit, and perhaps was trying to wind him up a little bit. And it seemed to work for the first half an hour in the sense that Tottenham, obviously, like the guys have said, were, were, were in complete control. But yeah, as as they had a couple of moments where he hit the post, um, and he, he just he, he can drive the ball really well. And it's nice to see him playing with a, a big smile on his face and it's, it's infectious, isn't it? You, you enjoy watching him play because he's enjoying himself. Um, and he can take a corner. We've actually finally got someone who can actually take a corner one, after all he says. Graham, you probably won't notice that we, Palace love a short corner and you kind of, you see Will for someone going short and I was like, oh, not again because they never come to anything. But despite all the big, big guys we have, particularly the centre-backs, like, you know, we've, we've got many centre-backs and they're all absolute units. We very rarely cross a corner straight into the box but this guy can and he can he can he delivers the ball fantastically you know some of the set plays we had have uh, and the, the deliveries he makes really do offer us something unique don't they Kev? Yeah I think so I mean obviously I think we scored the first goal against Leeds from his corner we all know about the free kick he scored against Leeds for us which is outstanding I mean and obviously we'll come on to it but as Luke said, he plays with a smile on his face. He looks as though he's got, you know, the world at his feet with the way he does. I mean, Lloris, I think, is having a good season. I think he sort of went off the ball a little bit at, at some point a little while ago after the Champions. Here, the ball, as I whipped in for the goal, that was a quality whipping where he didn't know whether to come or stay on his line for the actual goal. You know, clever free kick. And, and as Luke said, when he hit the post as well, what I really like about that shot, he didn't try and lever it. He just placed it and he knew that Lloris, I think if you saw the footage afterwards, he puffed his cheeks out afterwards because he knew he had been beaten by the shot and it just hits the post. You know, that a few inches the other side that goes in and that's a quality strike because he was composed enough to just almost caress it around the corner. And it would have been a lovely guy if it had gone in, obviously, for us. But, um, you know, Palace didn't have a lot of chances first half. I mean, the, the Wilf chance, uh, again, Lloris made a very good save. The Eze chance, but you know, we always try and be complimentary about other sides. You know, Graham said he was stressed. So I take that as a compliment because, from my point of view, I was. I think sometimes when you've played Tottenham since Potticino before they've really got into this run, there were times where you you might have thought they were a bit soft. I don't see that anymore with Tottenham. The work rate of their players yesterday, particularly, I think it's Bergwijn on the right. Every yeah. one of them. Uh, and I think a big compliment to us, and, and Gray made reference to it, Harry Kane didn't get to do a great deal. I mean, his header at the end was outstanding and a great save, a clever bit of football from him. But I don't think Sonny touched the ball second half, almost. And I think that's, you know, that's in this current climate for, um, for Son not to touch the ball almost. You, you know, you didn't know he was there in the second half. So I think it was a really, really good game. Great point. And as a 
I just hope we can keep hold of him in January. Just like to return to, to the goal, Graham, you touched on it, Harry Kane shot from distance. Kev, you said the keeper should have saved it. Now, when yeah. I watched it, when I saw it first off, I thought, oh, what an error, you know, he's completely messed up there. I watched it back on the replay, and I think Graham said it, it did move at the last minute. Luke, what do you think? Are we saying that's an error? Are we saying he's caught out, uh, you know, slippery surface? It, it's interesting, isn't it? It's something I liked because I listened to a podcast called The Goalkeeper's Union. Um, and they really go into detail in terms of uh, keepers' positioning and, and errors, things that are labelled errors. And they are always calling for goalkeeping pundits to be on the panel, whereas, you know, I think Graham Souness addressed it by saying he's not covered himself in glory. But it's when you actually look at it, two things. One, I think Harry Kane is a good strike because he's almost aimed it so it hits the floor just before it's going to go to Guaita. So he's hoping to get that bounce and, and, and potentially cause an issue for the goalkeeper there. Let's not forget the, the two good saves that Guaita made early in the game from, that Graham mentioned, from Harry Kane and, and, and Dombele. Dombele. And Dombele, yeah. But for me, as the ball's hit, he sets himself and he sets himself to the right. So it's almost like he's put all his weight to his right. So when the ball does swerve, and he's got that swaz on it, as, as Graham mentioned, you know, it, with the kids big, you know, he's just wrong-footed and he, he just goes down. He's trying to get something on it, but can't. So, yes, an error in the sense that he's, he's set himself wrong, but not in the sense that, oh, my God, it was a terrible error. If you actually break it down and look at it, I don't think it was, well, this, when you look at it in the grand scheme of the game as well, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, the worst thing in the world, really, was it? So, so, so Graham, you go in one nil at half-time. Are you happy at that point or are you concerned for the second half? I guess I was concerned because, you know, Palace had already had a couple of dangerous attacks. You know, I'm trying to think. I, I'm pretty sure uh, Eze had hit the post in the first half. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Benteke, Zaha and Eze were combining well and looking at, like they were going to cause us trouble. So we really needed something different in the second half. And unfortunately, it, it just didn't come. Um, we we continue to allow Palace to play their game, and as Kev's already said, you know Son and, and Kane really just didn't touch the ball. Um, I think Sissoko's yellow card affected him uh, because you know it, it's interesting to think about this, but you know get your thoughts on it. This was the, was this the first game that Palace had played where they had fans behind them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I think you know the fans do make a difference, right? Um, I agree, I agree. You know, I, I, you know it's, it's difficult to to say this, but I think if if that game's behind closed doors, I think Spurs win it. You know, I, yeah. I you know, can't say that for certain, but you know, we gave away a couple of fouls against your players. Uh, I think SA had a what really worried me a really dangerous looking free kick on the edge of the box in the first half, and. You know, I think the fans do influence the referees. You know, if there's a bit of, you know, shock and, you know, fans moaning, the referee's more inclined to, to give it. And throughout the game, I think that, that did happen. You know, there was perhaps in the first 20 minutes, the fans were booing because our players were getting fouled by you. I don't know if you remember this, but Spurs got a number of free kicks, a number, yeah, they did. you know, consecutively. And it was really noticed by the Palace fans. And then the referee kind of switched it. So then Palace were getting all the free kicks. And a lot of those free kicks, you know, the players are going down, you know, let's be honest, on both sides, they're going down a bit easy. They feel a touch and they're down. There's a couple of uh, agricultural challenges. I think Schlupp on Region was a bit harsh. <laughs> a bit. Um, 
But but yeah, I think the fans made a difference. And then yeah, second half, it just went all your way and, until you scored. Graham, you touched on a really important point there, and I think there is a difference there because my reflection on the second half, and, I, and at one point when it flashed up on the telly, it showed how many chances Palace had. We're not used to having that many chances. We're, we're, we're grabbing a couple here and there. So for us, it was a it was a bit of a unique second half. And I think um, I think there is something in the fans being there. Um, I mean, 2,000 fans still made a, a really good noise, certainly that goal winning they did. Um, and I, I, think, I think there's something in there, something, something in behind, behind that. Because Kev, we, we always talk about it, Palace coming out, being quite hot off the mark. We've been good at it first half for his level, but second half, not as. So it was good to see. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, sorry, mate, I lost you a little bit on audio there just as that was starting on that bit. So um, I think you was talking about the crowd bit and the crowd noise and that and, and, and the difference it made. And yeah, I, I, I think it did. And I think Graham's absolutely right. I, it did make a difference for us. And yeah, would, would we have got a goal back if they, there hadn't been the crowd there? I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think we were in the ascendancy. And I, and I think as Graham referred to right at the start, um, Tottenham seemed to sit back a little bit once they got their goal, which surprised me. Because I think if they'd got a second, we, we wouldn't have got back in the game. I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased we got back in because I just, I just think Mourinho's really got those guys. He's getting the best out of them, playing really, really well. And you think Son and Kane didn't really do a significant amount yesterday. And how many times can you say that? And that, but they still looked a very good. It's the first time I've looked at people like Bergwijn. Uh, sorry, I think that's a young gentleman's name. The work rate of them. I've seen players previously from Spurs not putting in a shift like they did yesterday. So, you know, I just think, it, I think it's a great point for us. I think it was great that the crowd were there. I feel very fortunate um, for anyone who was there. And I think that, that played to our, our advantage, but, as Graham said, the minute we equalised, I think it was 81st or 82nd minute, I was nervous then for the next seven or eight minutes. Um, and and right up to even when they got that free kick, was it was it Eric Dyer who took the free kick right at the end where he saved it from under the bar? Yeah. I just I just had visions of that flying in. Um, and so for him to keep it out, that was brilliant from that side. Palace had a number of chances, didn't they, up to up to the um up to that moment and and I think Graham you and I had a chat was it yesterday I think it was and you, and you said about how you know the, the pressure was there and, and it was sort of all Palace and you know the kind of the the goal was coming wasn't it I mean Christian Benteke from getting his two goals last weekend you know we've, we've never questioned his work rate the guy's always wanted to, to to do well for Palace he's always been there or thereabouts but it's just been that final product and uh, has something finally clicked because he again he was on fire yesterday wasn't he Luke no, I, I think it works well with Tekas and Zaha up front. It's almost like you found the perfect, dare I say, the perfect combination up front. We were we were wondering at the start of the season, who do you play up front? Is it Zaha and AU? But Tekas has come back into it. And he offers you that aerial threat. He had a couple of headers in the uh, second half, didn't he? One that went onto the roof of the net. Another one went straight into the arms of Lloris um, after being flicked up from Gary Cahill, I think, from another set piece. Um, so, yeah, he, he gives you that added dimension when... Previously, you were thinking, you know, if Palace were a bit stuck, you might want to go long, but then you hoop it long and you've got Jordan Ayew or Wilfred Zahar losing headers against towering six foot four centre backs. You now got Christian Benteke on the t- t- and able to cause a problem. And I think he did that, to be fair, against Eric Dyer, especially he, he caused him some issues and, and showed that attacking prowess that, that we all know he's got. He just needs that bit of confidence and, um, you know, this, this hope for a few more Tekas goals, eh? 
you know, there were certainly a number of free kicks and corners and, and you just wondered if Palace were going to run out of time. Graham, what are Tottenham normally like in those situations when they're kind of on the back foot? Is it a case of they can hang in there or, or are they good in that sense and catching on the break? Uh, we, we haven't been that great this season, let's be honest. I mean, I think... The top of the you, league, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you, I think if you're talking about set pieces, right, that's how we can see. Um, right. You know, so if you... You know, look at the, the goal you scored. It's very similar to a number of goals we've conceded this season. I think um, we played Newcastle and they got that, that dodgy, dodgy penalty. Do you, I don't know if you remember that when um, yeah, I think Andy, Carroll, Andy Carroll headed it onto Dyer's arm and, and it was a penalty and it's like, yeah, from nowhere. Yeah, it was an absolute farce of a penalty. Dyer wasn't even looking that way, was it? And it hit the back of his arm. Our Newcastle got a penalty for that. It's just... Ridiculous, but uh, that's VAR. Let's not do that tonight. Else we'll be here till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think they changed the rules after that as well. You know, it was so shocking. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah so, and you look if you look at the, that game, Newcastle, they they put the ball in from a, a kick on the uh, on the side there, and you know we couldn't deal with it. That set piece. I think Everton when they beat us um, at the first game of the season again, they put a ball in. We couldn't deal with it. Um, and I think there's been others, but, it, you know, we, we really seem to, yeah, we've got a good defence, but we struggle a little bit with the, the set pieces and equally ourselves, you know, struggling to, 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 to remember when we've been particularly good at them myself, you know, a difficult question that Matt, sorry. You need, you need to take Eze off our hands. Maybe that'll be the solution then. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's like, we, like, like we we touched on it already. The, the goal, but it did come from the set piece. I, I, you know, what's still interesting. Whilst there are fans, that you still can hear. There's still not enough fans. That you still can hear quite a lot of the activity from the pitch, which is one of the things I have enjoyed actually from being able to to see games without you know any sort of spectators or other other stadium noise. If you like, that's been kind of one of the very few positives. And I, I'm sure I heard Larice shout keepers. I'm sure I heard it. And I, at that point, I'm not sure if he's coming for it or, or what, but it was kind of, he stayed, kind of stayed on his line. And did he, Graham, did you think he fumbled it? I couldn't quite work out what happened. I watched the goal about so many times now. Yeah, he seemed to, he seemed to fumble it. He seemed to be a bit unsighted when it came in. And, it, you know, as they put it in with a bit of spin as well and seemed to just drop it. But I just want to come back to what you said about the, the sort of the, the fans as well. You know, as a, as a Tottenham fan, I've always been really impressed by the noise that Palace make. You know, I've seen them come to Wild Lane and the new stadium and, you know, there's always this noise, you know, these sort of almost a re- repetitive uh, singing and chants, a little bit like sort of what German football teams do, you know. And uh, it, it's really great, you know. I guess, you know, even though there wasn't so much of that because you don't have those, what are they called, the Holmesdale Ultras, clearly the, the, the fans can make a difference for you guys and, you know, Perhaps you know Larice is shouting, and you know that that is also lost in the the noise of the people behind the goal. Mm. You don't really know, but mm. it, you know it was definitely a, I think a mistake from the keeper. Could have gathered that, and then uh, I think you call him Schluppy. Is it Schluppy? <laughs> we love Schluppy on this pod. Schluppy absolutely spanked it. I've never heard Techers before, but Schluppy absolutely spanked it home <laughs> and broke our hearts. But yeah. Definitely a mistake. I think I think that's why uh, Mourinho was asked a question about Larissa's mistake, and I think he sort of, you know, supported him and said he, he still thinks he's one of the best keepers in the world. And you know, I have to agree. Since um, since we've had the the lockdown, um, and even you know now we're coming back to games with fans in attendance, 
Lloris has been outstanding. He's made a, a huge number of saves for Spurs. And he's, he's a brilliant keeper. He's massively underrated. And I think because he doesn't play for one of the sort of media darlings, you know, he's, he's obviously not the Liverpool keeper or, you know, I, I guess De, De Gea is sort of falling off. But he's, he's not one of those keepers that the media really noticed and promote. He sort of flies under the radar a little bit. I think Guaita will um, will, will be, be in the media's attention after the saves he made, though. Yeah, I mean, just just before we talk about him, I mean, I think you're right, Graham. I'll be in agreement. He's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Um, and I think you're right. There is something in who you play for and the sort of the focus and attention you get because of that. I mean, um, Luke and I have long joked about every time we play Tottenham, he's in goal. You're like, oh, no. Because yeah. he always, uh, we always say he's a, he's, a, he's a worldie against us. He's probably like that week in, week out, to be fair. <laughs> but we can we can think about some of the, some of the games um, since Pat has been back in the Premier League and we played you and had him in the sticks. I remember one particular game at White Hart Lane um, was that was that a one or one Luke? Can you remember, you remember you know the one I'm talking about, don't you? Because we second, were de- so the first season was Punchin's penalty. The second season was the nil nil with uh, the Balassi flick. Do you remember that one? Yeah, but was where there was wasn't there a one all? I'm thinking of. I'm sure we scored. I'm sure we scored there. But then he had the absolute fantastic game. Anyway, we'll come back to this stuff later. I was just going to say, I mean, what I love about Lloris, I don't know exactly how long he's been at Spurs, but what a lot of people still seem to forget, he's a World Cup winner. He's a World Cup winning captain. That's how good he is. I think he did come off the wagon a little bit when I think, I don't know if he was done for drink driving or something the other year, and he seemed to lose his form a bit, but he's come back again, and I think he's an outstanding keeper. And let's be honest, Matt, I think when me and you went to, when we had the fortune to go to Wembley a few seasons ago, he was injured. They then didn't play, I think, Vorm, and they put their number three goalkeeper in, and yeah. he was man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> so we, ne- we never have a lot of luck with Tottenham. And let's be honest, Tottenham haven't lost to Palace at Sellers Park in, I think, five or six years, they said. You know, they we don't ever get a result against them. So it goes back to what we said earlier. A point was a great result for us against a very good Tottenham side. But let's just say very quickly as well, Jose Mourinho's got those guys playing really nice stuff. And for me, I mean, it'd be good to get Graham's view on Mourinho and how it's going with Spurs. But equally, from my point of view, isn't it great to see how good the Premiership is? I think five points divide the, uh, no, three points divide the top five sides. And that's before Man City have played. So what a great season we're having in front of us. And I, I think we're very fortunate. Not sure if Sheffield United agree with you there, Kev, but I'm sure uh, <laughs> others would. Yeah, that will, we, 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 we will touch that with Graham. You're, you're right. Very good points there. I just, just want to mention, because we cannot move on before we talk about him, the uh, the king of South London, old Vincey, uh, had an absolutely fantastic game. I mean, the people were showing that free kick as the pick of the bunch. I preferred the one before that, the one that was down to his left. I mm. think it was from the header. Where he tips it, yeah. But there was one before the the first half as well, where there's a shot across the goal, and Harry Kane's there, ready to sort of mop it up, and he pushes it to the side just far enough. I mean, he he had a a, the the goal, the Tottenham goal. Regardless, he had an absolutely amazing game. Graham, appreciate you you touched on it. We appreciate an away fans' view on on that. Yeah, I mean, he he was outstanding. I think you know he's the difference between Spurs winning that game. And, and you taking the point, um, the saves he made were outstanding. There, there were two at the end, right, which were, it just showed the, the quality and the speed of his reaction. So the, 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 there was one, I think, Ben Davis sort of looped in a, a sort of, what, what they call a cross shot. It was actually a cross, you know, and it, it just went across. I think it hit the bar. And then uh, the ball comes out to Aurea, who leathers it, 
and Kane, you know, and again, this shows the quality of Harry Kane. So he's quick thinking. The ball's coming straight at him. He headers it towards goal, sort of steers it towards the goal. And uh, your man, Guaita, um, you know, down to his down to his left, you know, keeps it out. And it's, you know, it's a world-class save. And then the second one in the sort of dying seconds, you know, it looked to me like that, you know, I was ready to jump up and celebrate because I thought, you know, Dyer's done it. You know, he, he does come up to take free kicks for us, but more often than not, they don't really go anywhere. I think the most, um, the most uh, successful free kick that you guys will probably remember is in the World Cup. Yeah. When he sort of steered one in. Uh, but up until now, he's, he, you know, obviously he, he does it on the training field and, uh, and it must work out because the players give him a go. But that was going in, in the top right-hand corner, and Guaita at full stretch, you know, absolutely world-class. That save, you know, one of the saves of the season, I'm sure it will be, because it looks to, to everyone like that was going in, and, and he denied it, you know, with an outstretched right, right hand, a firm palm, brilliant save. And I think he's a, a great keeper for you, you know. Who, who did you have before him? I mean, you've had some dodgy keepers in the past, haven't you? So Wayne Hennessy is probably the most recent goalkeeper for him. And I think, uh, did you use the word dodgy just then? It's probably a good word uh, for his performances. Baroni and people like that. Oh, Jules, Jules oh, no, absolute no, no, legend. No. That's, <laughs> there's no, no there's no dodgy and Jules go together, Graham. No way. Jules was absolutely solid. Now, Hennessy was um, prone to quite a few uh, mistakes. He, he threw, I remember, remember Villa away, Luke and Kev, yeah, throwing the ball into the yeah. back of the net. You know, some really bad mistakes and consistently bad as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, probably the less said on that, the better. But yeah, Jules, yeah Jules, Jules before that. I mean, now we've got Jack Buckland on the bench, you know, which is a fantastic backup keeper for, for Palace to have. Uh, and is it Henderson's the other goalkeeper as well? Yes, Stephen uh, Henderson. As well as as well as uh, Hennessy's still there, although he's long term injured, I believe. Um, so yeah, we've 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 certainly very pleased to to get Guaita. He was someone Palace were after for some time, um, and actually it's interesting, uh, Graham, for you to probably hear this. But Palace's uh, sort of scouting network gets a lot of criticism for the lack of signings we make. But uh, as we've said in this pod a number of times, you know, bar maybe. Uh, Mamadou Sako, who is very, very hit and miss for us and was a lot of money for us. We haven't got too many bad signs. There's been a few sort of gambles they've made for not a lot of money. But apart from that, the ones they have spent money on, the, the signings they have made, and particularly the last couple of years, you know, we've, we've made some brilliant signings for very little money. Um, and you look back on actually some of them, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp, £13 million. At the time, we were all thinking, what, what on earth that, that's all about? But, you know, absolutely brilliant. PVA was a similar sort of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've, we've, we've spent pennies on people at IU as well. And, and, and Guaita was in that same, I think, was he £2.5 million pounds or something ridiculous like that? Free. You know? so, Guaita was free. He was a free in the end, was he? Oh, there you yeah. go. They, they were going to pay £2.5 million, weren't they, for him to secure him? And then they didn't in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, um, he, he's, he's, yeah, very, very, very much a, a valued uh part of the squad and hopefully he will be around at Palace for a, for a long time. Hopefully we can keep people at bay from nabbing him for us for, for a little bit longer. Um, we've touched a few times on, on the crowd. Luke, the atmosphere behind the, the, the Palace team, I think Graham's touched on it being, you know, a definite advantage of Palace. Do you agree with that? Certainly it made a difference. And I, I take back my comments last week when I said, you know, I'm not sure how much of a difference it would make. I certainly had to eat humble pie there and would have loved to have been there. And what was nice to see is when Guaita made that save at the end, that everyone in the White Horse stood up and applauded him. But there's something very, um, 
I don't know if it's the right word, evocative about seeing Palace score and then the players run towards that corner of the home start. I, I got a little bit emotional, if I'm honest. Um, I, I got a bit of a, a lump in my throat and I thought, you know, I'd love to be there, but also brought back memories, obviously, Matthew, of me and you. We would have been at the back of Block C, looking down there, would have been right in front of us. We would have been going loopy. And yeah, oh, what, what a moment. Um, and you could certainly hear some of the old school chants, ole, 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 Eagles a few times, which was nice to hear. And you could, yeah, it created atmosphere. Um, and I'm so gutted that I wasn't there, but I still enjoyed it. I think it made the viewing experience um, even more enjoyable and hopefully for the neutrals too. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there any other points anyone wants to talk about from the game? Look, you can edit this bit out, but I was yeah, I was okay. going to propose now to go to a break because we've been talking for quite a while now, like half an hour. I thought we'd have a little okay, break. Got finger up. Can, can I just propose one thing? Can I just ask Graham, if I may, from... If you look at that in the bigger picture, Graham, do you see that as two points dropped or a valuable away point? Yeah, that's a really good question, Kev. Um, I think right after the game, the way I was feeling was it was two points dropped, definitely. Um, and that's because, you know, you just have to look at the league table. We're top, we, you know, we, we've had some really good results recently and the expectation, and, you know, this is, I'm not speaking ill of Palace at all, you know. Palace are a very, very dangerous team, in my opinion. Uh, and so, you know, coming away from that game, you know, as it progressed with with a draw, didn't look so bad because, you know, you were really pushing us back. And, you know, there was plenty of times during that game where I thought, you know what, we're going to lose this. So, you know, it sort of, my mood really changed throughout the game because, as we started to come back in the last 10 minutes and with those those saves, you're sort of feeling about whether or not you should have won and whether a point was enough. It, you know, it, it just fluctuates, doesn't it? Your emotions fluctuate. And I'm sure you were in the same boat where when Spurs mm-hmm. were, you know, bringing on the full attack, you were thinking, oh, gosh, we're lucky to get away with a point. And I think Palace were going to settle for a point. And in the context of the, the Premier League, you know, it wasn't so bad for us because of the mm-hmm. other results that happened afterwards. So... Naturally, yeah. you know, the Fulham game, I mean, Fulham played absolutely fantastic football in that first half and, and they really deserve to win that game against Liverpool. So in the context of the Premier League, coming yeah. away with a draw against Palace was actually a good result relative to Liverpool going to Fulham and getting a draw. And obviously, I was chuffed to bits with uh, with those people from Burnley. I mean, you know, they, they really made our, our night as Spurs fans by going to uh, the empty was, crates and, and, and getting a winner. Getting- I was going to say, Graham, did Turf Moor become your happy place all of a sudden? I know it was at the Emirates, but, you know, you know, see, look, we're linking, we're linking, I'm a, I'm a celebrity in with a, the pod. We, this shows you it's current stuff. This isn't recorded last season, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, Turf Moor, we, we were delighted with the boys from Turf Moor, you know, <laughs> I think their first ever win against Arsenal in the Premier League. And, you know, the, yeah. the, you know what's also good is Aubameyang scored. You know, so, you know, he, he's, up, he's up and running, right? Brilliant. We're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there for part one. Uh, in part two, we'll be back with you to talk about some Crystal Palace and Spurs historic moments, as well as a mystery quiz that Luke will not reveal. Keep it very close to his chest, uh, but I'm sure we'll enjoy that. Back with you for part two.
So welcome back to part two of the Six Pointer podcast. Uh, as a reminder, because you've just heard the little jingle, so I'm sure you've forgotten by now, we're joined by special guest Graham, uh, alongside myself, Matthew, uh, Kevin and Luke. Uh, we're reflecting on Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham 1, uh, and in part one, we've looked back at the game itself. But now we're going to take a bit of a different slant in uh, in this part two of the pod. going to talk a bit about, uh, a top, from a Tottenham perspective, actually, um, about the move to the new stadium, get Graham's views on that and how he sees the season going ahead for Tottenham's perspective. Um, we're going to play a bit of a quiz as well as a special treat for everyone. Uh, so that will be exciting. <laughs> everyone, everyone, you can't see everyone's all faces, but everyone all is... All four of us. <laughs> every, everyone, everyone is uh, very, very excited about that. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about memories, memories of Palace and Tottenham games to wrap us up as well. So, Graham, I'm really keen, because you just moved to a new stadium, what, a couple of, couple of years ago now nearly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a new stadium in inverted commas, because obviously they tra- transformed the ground round um, to a certain number of degrees, didn't they, to get the, the bigger pitch in the, the new stadium. I mean, we always loved coming to White Hart Lane, one of the, the few sort of proper football stadiums that were, were left and had a number of really good trips there. Haven't had a chance to go yet. What's what's it like as a, as a new stadium? Because they often lose the soul and feel, don't they, of, of, a, of, a, of the old stadium. Have you managed to maintain that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, let, let, let's start off. It's a magnificent you know, football arena, I think, you know, it's up there with the very best. And, you know, it, it's been designed specifically to be a, a football stadium, unlike our uh, our friends at West Ham, who've got some kind of running track thing going on and no atmosphere and just the, the, the dreadfulness of, you know, having their, you know, I do feel for them, not too much, of course, but, you know, they've, they've moved away from their spiritual home and they've... Uh, you know, they basically had their heart and soul ripped out by Brady and the, uh, the those guys who do um, adult magazines. And uh, yeah, that, you know, if you've been to that place, to that stadium, you'll 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 know that you need binoculars to to see the see the uh, see the players on the pitch. It's just dreadful. And then you know, look at our um, our neighbours. You know, Arsenal. I mean, they've got a fantastic stadium, but they've got zero atmosphere but they had zero atmosphere before they moved there so <laughs> you know that it's just a you know a, dr- a dreadful place to, to to try and feel any kind of sporting passion at all um then what we've done is we've we've obviously built the new stadium right over the top of the old stadium so when you come there you'll see that you know and if you're in the spurs then you'll see where the center spot is because it's actually inside the concourse in the South Stand, and it has a plaque on the ground, and it says this was the centre spot of White Hart Lane for you know however many years, and you know obviously lots of Spurs fans coming there for the first time have their photo taken there. You can also find the corner flag outside. So the actual stadium has been put mm. on top of the old stadium. It's just it's been moved back a bit. Brian, you know about uh, six miles down the road, have they got the plaque for Jason Punchin's penalty that year? (laughs) (laughs) If they haven't, I think they need it. Yeah, I was going to say, the ball's still travelling, Matt. I think you're fine. (laughs) Sorry to interject there, Graham. So so atmosphere-wise then, you've maintained that because White Hart Lane was was a good place for atmosphere, right? Is it the Park Lane end and the... Yeah, shelf side. Right. The Lane and the Shelf side, yeah, that, those were the two sort of main singing stands, not the, the West Ham, the, the, the corporate and the Paxton is sort of typically sort of families and stuff. So, yeah, they, they, they have maintained some of the atmosphere, but not all of it. And there's a good reason for that, right? So when you move to a new stadium, um, 
you know, the, the fans get moved around, right? So they choose their seats and they, you know, they don't all get to sit together. So the people that were, you know, sort of hardcore, for you guys, it'd be like the Holmesdale Road end, they get spread about a bit. You know, they get spread about a bit because of the way the ticketing system works. And so while the atmosphere is good and the Park Lane stand, our South Stand, that giant South Stand where we get about 18,000 fans in it, that's been designed to create um, a cacophony or a wall of sound. And the stadium has been designed by the architects in such a way where the sound actually stays in. So the, the roof is specially designed for music concerts and for football so that the sound does stay in and reverberates. And then when we do get our, you know, our big chants going, then the, the sound in there is magnificent. It's deafening. It's really loud. And it's a direct contrast to how it was in that soulless, empty bowl at Wembley, you know, where you, you can make all the noise in the world, but it just goes out through that massive roof and so we we have retained some of the atmosphere and that's mostly done by the sort of the, the technical work of the architects and the way in which the that massive south stand has been designed and it, you know when we had the champions league there and you know obviously when we have sort of big derby games the, the, the sound can be absolutely you know deafening but the challenge has always been that you know moving fans around sometimes you'll find you're sitting next to people that will want you to sit down or not speak mm. and, you know, not shout. Mm. Hopefully, uh, when we get all the fans back in there with our safe standing, which we've got as well, we'll be able to create even more noise and get behind the team. And, uh, you know, once again, it's a magnificent place. I'm really looking forward to you guys actually coming down there and enjoying it. You know, it's, uh, it's a great experience. And, you mm. know, it's a football stadium. You know, it's huge. It's fantastic. And it's beautiful to look at. And hopefully the game will be beautiful for Spurs and less so for Palace. <laughs> very good getting that one in at the end there um, Kev, Kev what's your memories of White Hart Lane oh my goodness um, so my memory my first uh, adventure to White Hart Lane was an 18 year old uh, cup run the year that Tottenham got to the cup final and lost 3-2 to Coventry unfortunately but they beat uh, Palace 4-0 in the fourth round uh, we had Ian Wright playing um, but Tottenham were exhilarating on that day we were the old second division then, as it was, uh, uh, a couple days, you know, it was, it was, it was exciting times, but uh, we, we went and got a footballing lesson there. I think, uh, I, I believe, I'm going to, I might get this wrong, uh, but I, I thought it was, it was either Hoddle or Gascoigne, I can't remember. So forgive me, Graham, for not knowing my facts, but uh, I sat in the Tottenham fans because uh, we went with Tottenham season ticket holders, me and my mum. And it was, a, it was a great game. We lost 4-0, but it was a wonderful experience. I have been there when we've won, very rarely. Um, and uh, I, thankfully, I wasn't there when uh, Punchin put that penalty 14 miles above the uh, stadium. We were, weren't we, Luke? We were there then, mate. Also there, so we mentioned earlier, the 0-0 the season afterwards, where we felt a bit hard done by the you at East. But my earliest memory was 2003... FA Cup third round. I remember that because the, the, we wanted to go, but the away end was sold out. So I was—I remember reading on the Palace message board about ten o'clock that morning of their kickoff. And Graham, do, do you remember this? There was like a family area, or like a mixed stone or family owned. And yeah, we were able to walk up there and get two tickets for, for twenty quid, a tenner each, weren't they, Matthew? We went up there last minute, walked straight in, and uh, saw saw Freddie Canute score a hat trick against us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, 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 I think you can do that. I mean, I've done that at other grounds as well, managed to get a ticket to watch your team. And, you know, obviously it's always good if you win, but not so good 
when he's sitting amongst the opposition fans and you lose, it's pretty disappointing, isn't it? Mm. It's an interesting uh, story. I, you know, like a couple of well, a couple of seasons ago, we, me and a friend managed to get tickets to go to uh, the empty crates, um, and uh, and uh, you know we were sat amongst the Arsenal fans and Spurs won two now. I think Son scored and. Delhi scored this sort of wonderful flick goal. I don't know if you guys would remember yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that. I remember it. Yeah, certainly. Um, so we were sat amongst the Arsenal fans and it was particularly terrifying because we had some sort of uh, some rather big chaps sitting around us and we, we we were trying really difficult. It was really hard to sort of keep a lid on our, our jubilation as we scored. My friend actually jumped up and I was like, what are you doing, you know, as we scored? And he's just hurling abuse at the Tottenham players, you know. Obviously, we, you know, it's just just very bizarre. But he's trying to mask the fact that he's managed to sneak into the the Gunnar end, and we're sat there amongst them discussing why Arsenal are really rubbish, and we were just really drinking it in, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's good when you get a, a seat in the away end, uh, the uh, an opponent that you actually win. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what about what about Palace Tottenham games at Sellers Park? Who's got any memories there? I, 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 I can, can certainly rem- I can certainly remember some some battles. I remember when we came up to the Premier League, the Dowie season. I think three yeah. nil. Andy Johnson. Oh, did I say? Want to say Michael Hughes scored as well? I'm making that one. It up might like even that. be Tom Sauls as well, Matthew. I think. Yeah. Maybe. I, mean, I remember three nil yeah. there. Kev, how about you? Well, my earliest memory uh, is when Palace and Tottenham were both second division, 1977. Tottenham wore in yellow. Wonderful kit. And what was great was I remember the Tottenham coach turning up. I was eight years old and uh, they had our, one of our great players had signed for them, Peter Taylor, obviously former England manager, obviously gave Beckham his captaincy at England. But obviously, Peter Taylor, as, uh, as I'm sure Graham knows, was a wonderful winger for Palace and obviously went on to managers. But he, he'd signed for Tottenham. Uh, and that, so my first memory was that game and it was a, a one-all draw. Um, and these are the days when you were getting very big crowds at Sellers Park, obviously, you know, um, and, and I think Tottenham went up that year, I think, uh, from memory. And I must correct my fact from earlier when I said I, I can't believe sacrilege. I actually said it was Gascoigne, it was Hoddle and it was 87 because that was the year, obviously, the Coventry, the 3-2. And I've not Googled that. I've just remembered okay, that. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, no, no, but you beat us 4-0 and I... As I say, I, I did sit in the away fan to the Tottenham and, and I thought, do you know what? It's been a pleasure to watch Hoddle caress the ball around the park and make us look like amateurs that day. But that was my first memory, Matt, sorry, from, uh, from uh, Tottenham. And I, I was there when Klinsman's played and when Gascoigne's played. And he was madder than a box of frogs, but what a talented player when he came down to Sellers Park. And a crowd pleaser, a right entertainer. I, I remember a Klinsman dive. Uh, classic celebration. <laughs> I think I think Tottenham won three one that day. Uh, as a pr- yeah, I want to say Chris Armstrong scored that day, and obviously, of course, he, he signed then signed for Tottenham, didn't he? At a later point, anyway. Graham, how about you? Any trips to Sellers Park you can remember? Yeah, there were a couple of trips, not too many. Uh, there was definitely one, you know, in the late nineties where again, sort of Klinsman scored. You know, I think that was the sort of time where we were really struggling, um, and you know, I think that the sort of the win against Palace was was something that sort of really helped us sort of avoid being dragged into a relegation scrum, you know. And then I was there a few years ago. I think Ericsson scored just the, the single goal of the game. I think the game I wasn't at that I would have loved to have been at, which you know I'm sorry if this sort of breaks your hearts, but it was 
a game where Deli Ali scored a sort of wonder goal where I think Kane whipped it in and he sort of, I don't know, he somehow controlled it, flicked it over, said, turned and volleyed it into the net. And Massive deflection off Dot Scott down for that one. That's <laughs> five years. I don't remember the deflection, but I remember it arrowing <laughs> into the corner of the net. No, That's yeah, five years ago. You skimmed him. Was it five years ago, Kev? Blimey. That's what they said yesterday on the commentary. It's five years ago because Deli Ali came on, didn't he? Mm. And they said it's five years ago uh, to that weekend that he came on, flicked it over and buried it in that corner. Wonderful goal. A late goal, wasn't yeah. it? I remember that, Matthew. Yeah, because we were at the other end, weren't we? It, yeah. did, it looked amazing from to see that from the other end from yeah. behind. But yeah, yeah, Palace and Tottenham had some good games. Unfortunately, we're normally on the other end of it. That's why we're uh, clutching at straws of our victories. And, and like we touched on the Martin Kelly Cup game away, that, that has that has got a song, Graham. So um, we'll give you a rendition of that another point of time. Um, Luke, I'm going to hand over to you now. I'm going to hand the hosting handle over to you for the quiz. All right, so this, I have to preface this by saying I did not make this quiz. I've, I've nicked this off the internet. And it's quite good, actually, because there was a couple of, um, there was a couple of um, players that were mentioned earlier that come up in this. So, I mean, I'm not going to do a point system. There's only, I think there's like 14 questions. But, you know, mark yourself honestly and let me know. Going. It's all multiple choice, four answers, four, four possible answers. So uh, you've got a one in four time to get it right. How many goals did Clive Allen score for Spurs in the 1986 87 season. It's 25, 32, 55, or 49. Do you want us to shout out what we think is the answer? No, no. I'll do do the answers at the end. Um, All right, next question. How much did Spurs pay Palace to bring Chris Armstrong to White Hart Lane? Options are 3.5 million, 4.5 million, 5.5 million, or 6.5 million. Yeah, I think I know that one. Fraser Campbell, his final goal for Palace came against which club? Graham, you won't have a chance with this, probably. Hull, Sunderland, Middlesbrough or Shrewsbury Town? His last goal, last ever goal for Crystal Palace. Hull, Sunderland, Middlesbrough or Shrewsbury Town? You're at this game, Matthew. Oh, that's not fair, giving him a clue. You were there, Brotherly, Brotherly is, it League, is it Premier League? Premier League game? Is it Premier League? I don't Arthur think Shrewsbury have ever been in the Premier League. <laughs> Fucking, where's yeah, your listening skills? Get rid of we can't, can't out of Shrewsbury, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, next question. Edgar Davids didn't play for which of these clubs? They didn't play. Inter Milan, AC Milan, Barcelona or PSG? Centre-back Anthony Gardner. And what year did he win his only England cap? 2002, 2003, 2004, or 2005. Anthony Gardner's only England cap. Next question. Andy Gray managed which international country? Somalia, Sri Lanka, Seychelles, or Sierra Leone? Come on, Mm. you've got got to be up in your Andy Gray uh, trivia. Mm. Did Andy Gray go 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 to Palace, Tottenham, and then back to Palace? Yeah, he did. Stefan Everson assisted which player to help Spurs win the 1999 League Cup? Stefan Fraud. Is it Fraud? Fraud. Fraud. That's on. Andy Stinton, Les Ferdinand, or Alan Nielsen? You know what? I love it. Four, four I know blocks. the answer to this one. <laughs> no idea. Right. Next one. Which team did Gary O'Reilly? play for between his stints at Tottenham and Palace. 
Brighton, <laughs> Derby, Wolves or Charlton? <laughs> he, he's a really successful pundit in the States now. Is he? Yeah, like, really uh, uh, I can't remember when when in the first lockdown, I had that series of interviews, and it was him and someone else in that nineties cup team. I can't remember it was, and, and yeah, Bradley. he was Nig- Nig- Nigel Martin. It was Nigel Martin. Oh. Yeah, and he was he was in America, and he was talking about what he does, and yeah, he's really big in, out there. Anyway, sorry, number okay. nine. So yeah, in which in what competition did Alan Pardew appear exclusively for Spurs? Oh, in during his spell at the club, Inter Toto Cup, League Cup, FA Cup, or ZDS Cup. Alan oh, Pardew. We got actually told. exclusively. So, 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 what's the story? He only played one game for Tottenham, is this it? Yeah, and we, 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 we didn't do well. So, he didn't play another game. <laughs> okay. Next one. Which of these teams has Wayne Routledge never played for? Ooh. Leeds, Newcastle. Fulham or Cardiff? Easy. Which, oh, go on. All right, all right. Okay. One of your favourite ever players, Matthew. Paul Stewart was voted into which clubs? Hall of Fame. This is number 11. I'll keep it going, mate. I'll tell you Paul what, do you, think our, do you think any of our listeners will still be awake by the time... I'm calling you to edit, edit this off, mate. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We're keeping. So, Paul Stewart was voted into which clubs? Hall of Fame in 2006. Blackpool, Liverpool, Sunderland, or Burnley? I'd written down Man City, so I've had to cross that out. <laughs> Paul Stewart on loan for Palace from Liverpool was absolutely amazing. He was top-notch. Not I think we had him for about a quarter of the season. It was in the second half of the season. I remember it being really, really cold going to a game with him and Chris Alton up front, I think. He, he was scored against we got... Charlton. Did he? I, I just he remember him being so, Charlton. so good that year. He was one of the reasons we got up that year. Sorry. Next one. We mentioned it earlier. Peter Taylor's solitary game as England caretaker manager was against which country? France, Italy, Scotland or Germany? So he had one game as uh, caretaker manager against France, Italy, Scotland or Germany. The man with the returning hairline, Andrus Townlend, netted his first Palace goal against which team? Stoke, Arsenal, Tottenham, or West Brom? Last question. Which Palace player was swapped with Terry Venables and Ian Evans in 1940, no, 1974? Which? Kevin, So, Terry Venables and Ian Evans going one way. And who went the other way? Was it Peter Taylor, Mel Blythe, Don Rogers, or Dave Swindhurst? Okay. Right, I did say you're marking yourself, so do be honest. So, how many goals did Clive, Clive Allen score for Spurs in 86-87, Graham? 49. It is correct, it was 49, one point. I wrote down B, what's, what's that? B was uh, 32, yeah, not that. 30, 30, I'm wrong, so right, okay. Yeah, 49. If, if, it's not, if it's not 49, yeah. Um, how much money did Spurs... Did Spurs play Palace to bring Chris Armstrong right, right hard lane? What do we B, think? B, 4.5 million. 4.5, correct. I got. 4.5, correct. Fraser Campbell's final goal for Palace coming into which club? Matthew, come on. I put D, Shrewsbury. Kev? I go Hull. Hull. It was Hull. It was yeah, Hull. I, I changed my answer. Yeah. Oh. Edgar Davids. 
Edgar Davids didn't play for which club? D. PSG, was it? Correct. He never played PSG. What year did Anthony Garner win his only England cap? Come on, have a guess. Aye. What did you put down? 2005. 2005. It was 2004, so it was at sea. Oh. He actually scored for us as well in a League Cup semi-final against uh, Cardiff. Cardiff. He did, mate. Andy Gray. Andy Gray managed which country? Sierra Leone. Believe it or not. Is that B? Uh, that was yeah, D. I got Sierra Leone. Yeah, yeah. D. That was D. what? D. 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 Stefan Everson assisted which player to help Spurs win the 1999 League Cup? Come on, Graham. Alan Nielsen. With a with glorious Alan Nielsen. header. Correct. Are you, sure, are you sure it weren't Mr. Fraud? It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> Stefan Fraud. Stefan Fraud. He's a Spurs uh, legend. I, I saw there was a Premier League Productions, um, a Premier League World thing on him not long ago, actually. Yeah. That was quite good to watch. I thought I probably should have uh, spelled his name. Yeah, it was Stefan Fraud. Yeah, he... he, he <laughs> So he he comes to the he used to come to the games with his son and sit in amongst the Spurs fans, wearing like full kit and everything. Like he would be there, he, he'd be wearing a Spurs shirt, a Spurs hat, a Spurs scarf, Spurs gloves, a Spurs coat, and Spurs trousers. His son would be the same, and he'd be standing <laughs> with the Spurs fans. I thought he was shorts and socks, Graham. <laughs> no, he's one of those full kit blokes. Boots on, boots on. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking of boots someone might need to get Harry Kane some more, more boots he seems to be falling over quite a lot yesterday didn't he what's going on there easy easy Gary O'Reilly which which club did he play for between his stints at Tottenham Palace Aye. anyone Brighton Brighton it was Brighton so in which competition did Alan Pardew play his only game for Tottenham Graham into Toto it was the Intertoto Cup. Do Palace fans actually like Pardew? I don't mind Pardew. Uh, you know, I enjoyed some football we played under him. I also didn't enjoy a lot of football we played under him. It's, I'm sort of kind of neutral. To him it was quite a good change when he came in. He changed things a bit more up and at him, used the wingers. He had Benteke had a good period under him, didn't he, as well? Mm. Um, OK, which of these teams has Wayne Routledge never played for? Leeds, Newcastle, Fulham or Cardiff? Come Leeds. Back. Do you think it was Leeds? He is correct. He has played for Newcastle, Fulham and Cardiff. Uh, Paul Stewart has played for. Hang on, I thought he played for Swansea. I thought he played for Swansea. He did, Portsmouth. Yeah. Villa. He's, he, he's, he had quite he's, a bit he's of He's been a around. Gentleman you got he's, a Wayne Rowledge shrine in your bedroom, Matt. So he, he came through the youth system. He came through the youth system. I've met him, Graham, out in a club, actually, local in Croydon. Um, he came for the youth system at a time when we were going regularly, when we felt we were in the Premier League 2004-05 season, Luke, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. And, um, uh, yeah, so we kind of followed his, his sort of career, if you like, one of those players who's, who's yeah, he, he, he moved to Tottenham, didn't he? And he never really, yeah. never really made never it really there. Went. And he went on a million really loans, really quick, yeah. Went on loads of those loans, went to Portsmouth, went to Villa, like you name it, he went there. But yeah, you're right. I think he, last year he was still playing at Swansea. I don't know if he's still playing this season, but he played well, last he season. You he met him in the club. Blue Orchid? No, it was a, a, a club opposite the Blue Orchid called Pals. <laughs> but yeah, very close. Pals. At the time, we, we just sacked. Who we just sacked? I can't remember who it was. We just sacked someone. I asked him, who, who, who do you want as the next manager? What did he say? He was like, he said, don't mind. <laughs> that was his, <laughs> his get out clause. Right, <laughs> Paul Stewart was voted into which club's Hall of Fame in 2006? Blackpool, Liverpool, Sunderland, or Burnley? 
Who do you reckon Blackpool. knows their Paul Stewart's? Blackpool. Blackpool. I know Paul Stewart. It is correct. It is Blackpool. Peter Taylor, his only game as England caretaker manager was against? Italy. Italy. France. It was Italy. Andrus Townsend, his first Palace goal against Matthew. You know this. Stoke. It's correct, Stoke. That's A. Yeah. And Terry Venables and Ian Evans in 1974 were swapped with what player? Peter Taylor, Mel Blythe, Don Rogers or Dave Swinburst? What do you reckon? I'll put down B. I can't uh, remember who that was. That was Mel Blythe. Don, Mel Don, Blythe. Don, Don. Don Rogers. Let's go for Don Rogers then. Okay. That was C. It was Don Rogers. Correct. Oh, fucking hell. Go on, then. Add them up. Who, who's, who's got what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, he's beat nine. I got eight. Kev? I got seven. Oh, well done, boys. That was close, though. That was good. Hope you enjoyed it. You get a trophy. (laughs) Ask ask the fans if you get a trophy for that. That was good fun, Luke. Thanks for that. I hope our listeners enjoyed that as well. Let us know uh, over on Twitter what your what your scores were and if you liked this or indeed if it was terrible and we should never do it again. Indeed, let us know that as well. <laughs> oh, it's pretty terrible. Good to, wrap, good to wrap things up there, guys, with a little bit of a, a sort of a look ahead to the rest of the season. Graham, your, from your perspective, um, your views on Jose, but also like to ask for your views on Mr. Mr. Roy Hodgson or Sir Roy Hodgson, as we uh, like to call him on the pod. Yeah, so... Um... Let's see, yeah, Jose. So, let's be honest, Spurs fans were a little bit shocked at the way he came into the club. You know, obviously, the, the sacking of Pochettino, who was beloved by, by, by most Spurs fans, you know, even if, you know, the football that we were playing at the end of his tenure was really sort of dropping off. The, the players clearly weren't playing for him and didn't didn't believe in the project anymore, and and, and so it was really quite, kind of painful to see that disintegrate. Um, and then you know Jose is unveiled the next day, and you know obviously because of his history with Chelsea, um, it was a difficult one for the Spurs fans to swallow. But I think I don't know if you managed to see the uh, the Tottenham documentary or nothing. Uh, he came across really well, and the things he said you know, have appealed to the Tottenham fans. You know, the fact that he'll say things like, you know, I might have been a Chelsea fan then, but, you know, I'm the fan of whatever club I'm at and I'm the biggest fan. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't get confused. I'm the biggest Tottenham fan. I want Tottenham to do well. And he wants Tottenham to do well because he wants to do well. And Jose's a winner. And, and that's what we need at Tottenham. You know, we've been starved of glory uh, for too many years and, and we really needed somebody like him. So, you know, at the moment, you know, for Daniel Levy, it looks like a masterstroke. We're top of the league. We're, we're doing well. Um, it's not the, the sort of free-flowing, all-out attacking football that, you know, we had under Pochettino. But, you know, it gets results and it's effective, you know. And so I think most Spurs fans are on board with him. But, you know, there's still a small contingent who just associate him with Chelsea and they dislike that. Um but, you know, we want to do well. We need to win something. And, and he's the man who think who's a born winner. And at the moment, it's working out for us. You know, we're top of our Europa League group. You know, we are top of the league at the moment. And we're in the other cup competitions. And hopefully, you know, Jose can get us over the line and, and win something. It would be absolutely fantastic if he can do that. And then maybe some Spurs fans will start to sing his name. I certainly would if he won us something. You know, it would really transform our club and give us the platform to move forward onto bigger and better. And then uh, Roy or, or Roy, 
Woody Hodgson. You know, he's like everyone's lovable granddad or or uncle, isn't he? He's the He's a man who's been around the football world for many, many years. I think he was he big in Sweden or somewhere like that, Norway. Yeah, he's uh, done all Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah. So and and he's been successful in the past, and he's he's one of these managers who I think other managers look up to because of his record, because of what he's achieved in you know the past. Uh, you know his his time at England perhaps didn't work out, but generally, you know I think he's a good manager, and he's the kind of lovable manager. Um, I think Palace fans can can get behind, and you know what? If if he plays that sort of free flowing attacking football that Palace were playing against us for, you know, fifty or sixty minutes the other day, you know, you know what's not to like? What's not to like? You know, he's brought a team together there, a team of you know some journeymen that you can see in I think Kiarte and and Cahill, and he's blended that with you know your, your fantastic keeper, and then. You know, really exciting young prospect like Eze, you know, with Zaha, who's always a threat. And I think, you know, Palace under Roy Hodgson, they're always going to be dangerous. They're always going to offer that that challenge. You you never know what you're going to get. Palace could go pretty much any ground. Um, I'm sure I've seen them go to places like Man City and get a win. Um, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. But generally, it's positive. And I, I think, you, you know, you should be happy with Roy. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a good manager. You know, if things don't work out, I hear there's a bloke called Pochettino who's looking for a job. So, uh, you know. We, we, we often joke on the pod, Graham, that, that Jose will be a Palace manager at some point. He seems to love the Palace. He always, he's always uh, very complimentary um, about the Palace fans and, and the club and video going around Twitter or YouTube of him uh, applauding that Jose is a Palace fan at a Chelsea away game uh, previously. Um, but to, going back to Roy Hodgson, he's known as the boss. Jose Mourinho, I don't know if you saw that um, earlier in the season. He, he said that he respects him because he's the oldest man in the job, and you know he, he's seen it all. He's been 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 there and done it all. So he's the boss, and you saw before the game as well, Hodgson and, and Jose sort of exchanging pleasantries, which is which is quite nice to see. And you know, a world of social media and everyone getting it, you know, on each other's backs is quite nice to see uh, two managers getting on really well. Yeah, there's definitely an affinity between. You know Tottenham and Palace. I think we we were discussing it earlier on, and so yeah, generally as Spurs fans, you know, I'd echo Jose's sentiment. We'd like to see you do really well. We we really would, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that you guys think uh, that Spurs are a good team, and uh, from time to time we get your support also. I was going to ask Graham if I may. Just um, I mean, you quite rightly said if Jose brings you a trophy that would be being seen as a, a good success. Do you think with the way you're playing though at the moment, if, if he was to say land you the League Cup or whatever, whatever, whatever it's being called now, or that type of trophy, would that be enough for you or does it need to be an FA Cup, a Premier League or get to another Champions League final? I mean, I can remember watching the Ajax game a few years ago when uh, Luke uh, Mora got his hat-trick and I was like a lot of people, was jumping on the roof when that went in. I was so pleased for Spurs. Um, it was a shame, as you said right at the start of the pod, that unfortunately the first 27 seconds or so went wrong in the final against Liverpool and you never turned up, which was a shame, really. Um, but So if you, if you won the equivalent of a League Cup in his first year or two years, would that be good enough? Because obviously it wasn't good enough for Man United because he won the League Cup and I think, I think he won something else, didn't he? Won two trophies and, and, and got the second. Yeah. And it still wasn't enough for them. So, 
where do you set your your level as to what what you see as success? That's a good question, Kev. Look, I, th I think for, for, for Jose at United, I think he won the Europa League and yeah, the Cup, right. yeah, um, and finished second, for, I think. Yeah, but for a club like United, I mean, you know, they're a club which expects to be winning, and you know, it, you know, for us as football fans, and uh, you know, it's it's actually good that they're not winning, you know, because we've had this history in the Premier League where. You know, you have to believe that a certain team is almost entitled to win the league. So before Liverpool more recently and, and Man City, the team that the sort of media uh, would entitle to win the league was Man United. It was expected that they would just go on and win everything. And actually, you know, the, you know that was what, you know, for fans of, you know, lesser clubs, I guess like Tottenham, I hate to say it, and, and, and for you guys, you're led to believe that that's the way things should be. You know, it should be that Man U, it should be the Liverpool, it should be that Chelsea, it should be the City wins the things. So while it didn't work out for Man U because the expectations so high, for us at Tottenham, yes, winning a League Cup would be great. But, you know, let, let's be honest, it, it's not the sort of the most, um, the most wonderful trophy to win. I think the FA Cup is a little bit better. Unfortunately, that's been Arsenal's downfall because they've just focused on winning that, you know, to the detriment of the league. But, what we really want, Kev, and you know, I don't mean to sort of demand too much, is we really want to win the Premier League because mm. we've actually been quite close to it for a number of years now. You know, we've been buzzing in and around that kind of top four. You know, we've actually come second, you know. So, you know, we've got the potential in the players mm. and we've got the quality of players. If we can just get the manager, you know, to, you know, put it together, you know, on the training part, get the right tactics, you know, maybe we'll have a couple of reinforcements and change things around in January. The thing we really would like a shot at, as an impossible, as it seems, that impossible dream, you know, dare to do. We, we would really love to win the Premier League. Failing that, I guess in order, it would be the Europa League because it's a European pot and then the FA Cup and the League Cup. But, you know, any of, I, take any, I take any trophy, but, you know, we've got some ambitions now. And, and where we are in the league means that, you know, the expectations are slightly growing. And if we can get one over Liverpool, hopefully on Wednesday, and I hope you're cheering for us and supporting us then maybe you know other people will start to believe that we are genuine title contenders yeah. and we're not just some you know team that's going to fall away and and actually we're really there to compete and teams like City, Chelsea or Liverpool should feel worried about Spurs. Do you think Levy will back him in January if he needs to spend big to to chase that dream as you say if, if it looks as though you know, let's be honest, January's only a few weeks away and you're going to be there or thereabouts, as many clubs are going to be. Do you think Daniel Levy will back him, if need be, to bring in what he, what he wants? Well, I'd like to think so. The actual squad we've got is, is actually quite deep. We can field two pretty, pretty good teams, you know, with good quality. You can see, you know, we've got players like Gareth Bale who actually can't get in the Premier League team. And we've also got Deli Alley who can't really make it. And then, we'd have people like Lucas Moore on the bench. And these players would all be quality for other teams. You know, they could be great at, you know, top clubs and they'd be fantastic at a club like Palace too. They'd really stand out because they got the quality. Hopefully, um, you know, Mourinho will have chosen which one of the players he wants to keep. You know, there are talks amongst Spurs fans about whether, you know, some of our players will be happy to sit on the bench. You know, obviously they're sort of, ones most recently are people like Winks and, and, and Delhi also, and then maybe even rumours about Bale. And so if we do end up moving players on, the typical thing for Tottenham is that we, we want to sell 
players to, to, to generate some revenue to buy someone else. And I, I really do hope that this season, for once, that if it's looking like we really need it, that we can go out into the transfer market and buy somebody. Obviously, we have to be careful about homegrown talent and, you know, managing quotas of, of, of you know, foreign players. But, you know, I would really love to see us, uh, you know, make a couple of signings, a couple of marquee signings, which would really sort of blast us into orbit, you know, changing the, the second half of the season and giving us that final push. But, you know, that's all going to be in, un, under the rumour mill now, isn't it, Kev? With, uh, with, and, and what does it look like for you guys? Well, for me, I'd like to keep hold of Eze and uh, hopefully you won't come after Zahar and, uh, and then it'll be Merry Christmas. Matt, we talked, we talked last week, Graham, actually about whether this could be the time that Wilf does go. You know, he's been absolutely fiery, scoring goals. You know, week in, week out, he's performing and getting noticed. And we're we're probably slightly worried that this might this actually might be the occasion when he does move on. And we then we kind of come back to the conundrum of who does he who does he go to? And actually, last week I floated the idea that maybe Arsenal could come in, given how bad they are and how they need to. Um, I think the guys and Kevin in particular, as you can see, he's shaking his head, but disagreed with me. And we talked about them. We probably wouldn't spend the money that Palace and Parish want for Wilf, which has always been the challenge. But um, yeah, for us, it's all about hanging on to. I'd, I'd be happy if we didn't actually sign anyone to in January. I'm pretty happy with the squad we've got. Look at that bench for us on the weekend that it's miles, miles, miles away from what it used to be. We've got so many players out of contract in the summer that it's, it's more about realising who we need to keep hold of and who are willing to let go. You know, Christian Benteke's contract's up, Vicente Guaita's contract's up, um, although there are rumours that there's going to be something announced pretty soon on that. Um, who else is there, brother? Is it Joel Ward or no? Joel Ward Scott extended. Dan. Scott Dan, Martin Kelly, I believe. Cahill. Yeah, Cahill will be up. Um, so, yeah, we've got a number of players on, on obviously a big wage. Um, and all, over we're gonna... all over 30. All over 30. Yeah, who, who obviously, you know, it's, it's decision time for them now. So it's, do they go to passes new or do we continue to, to keep them on and hopefully add younger players bit by bit? Um, I am I'm in Matthew's camp. I think it's 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 Zahar really is, is keep him. That's a successful transfer window for me. Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. I, I'm not so sure that he will leave. I mean, I think, you know, Zahar seems to like being a, a big fish in a smaller pond, if you know what I mean. And so... He's already, you know, shown that with his move to United, I think much earlier in his career, that, you know, perhaps a, a club where he's surrounded by other players, then, you know, he's not the main man and he's not always going to be starting, that it's challenging. Whereas he's the king of Crystal Palace, right? That's how he is. You know, he's a great player for you. You know, maybe he will stay. And, uh, you know, he's clearly an asset. He's a, he's a real threat. You know, you, you always feel that when Zaha's on the ball in the final third, he could make some magic and anything could happen. So, you know, I, I think he might be surprised. I think he might stay. He's worth more to us than any money anyone can pay for him. Yeah, that's See, a, a matter thing to say, but he is because he's such an important player for us. He gets people off, off their seats, the fans, like you said, Graham, but also just because of our, if you look at our form without him, over what, is it a couple of years, I think, is in the stat they show. It's, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. So he's, he's so important to us. He's talismanic. You're right, Matt. But I mean, what about other players that Palace would look at? You must see the rumour mill. There must be players out there, you know, either from, you know, championship teams or, you know, even players that are not getting looking at other Premier League teams. And you've got to think about, yeah, refreshing, you know, some, yeah. of, some of the squad. It tends to be younger players. So it's, I mean, we've got a lot of centre-backs, but we've got a lot of ageing centre-backs. So there was chalk of... Uh, Bochum's uh, Belas Kotchap, he's an 18-year-old uh, defender. He was coming in. 
or, or, or he's been rumoured to have been watched for a while. But to be honest with you, there's not that many, is there, that, that, that float around? There's, there's, there's the same names. We get of all of the Brentford ones. So the one yeah. that went to Villa. Ben Rama. Um, Watkins, got linked Watkins. to him. Um, what's the other one that went to West Ham? The whole bloke. Ben Rama. No. Oh, um, oh, Jared Bowen. Bowen. Yeah, Jared Bowen. we're supposed to be in for him. Like, you know, any, yeah. Anyone for the Championship is half good, Graham. We get linked with them, but... Palace, I mean, or Eze is probably the only one that Palace have taken the gamble on the, uh, the West Brom right back hasn't played yet. What's he called? Um, Nathan Ferguson. Yeah. So uh, there's been a couple, but um, I just, and there's a hard point. I mean, I think it is to that point now, Graham. It is, do they use, do they sell him and use the money to invest in the, in the aging positions that we just mentioned? Uh, because you can't, you can't, if he goes 50 million, you can't buy someone for 50 million to Crystal Palace. To replace him, it's not going to happen unless we pay over a million, millions, and millions over the odds for someone. So, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But my worry just is given the situation at the minute, given how some clubs aren't you know, mentioned Arsenal, they pay it or not. But you know, he's an instant injection. And I think to your point about the Man United move, that was a long time ago now. He's a, I'd say, he's a different player actually, yeah, um, to what he was back he's then. Just 18, wasn't he? Yeah, he's so I mean, much stronger now. The thing is, I can't see him going to Arsenal. I mean, you know, you guys are moving up the table and they're going to get relegated. Why does he want to get thrown <laughs> into that kind of in that kind of mess? You know, we've got an unhappy dressing room, managers are changing, you know. It's, it's not an appealing prospect to go to a team that's crumbling, is it? We'll leave it there. Uh... <laughs> Jen's going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for, for joining me this evening. Kevin and Luke, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, chaps. As you like, no problem, no problem at all. And a big thank you to Graham for joining us as well to give us the Tottenham perspective. Graham, uh, we've we've loved having you on, and I hope you've enjoyed it too. Yeah, I've loved it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. To all our listeners, thanks very much for joining us again. Don't forget Six Pointer Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. As always, up the palace, uh, up the palace, up the palace, up the palace. <laughs> the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, 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 uh,